Lean forward slightly. Look straight at the speaker. And listen with a sparkle in your eye. As though you might be thinking, gee, this is the most wonderful thing I've ever heard in all my life. Live from Hollywood, California, this is So I Married a Movie Geek! Welcome, welcome to the 79th episode. No, not the 79th. Some other numbered episode of So I Married a Movie Geek. 79th. We were way back in time. I did. Your brain. But I can do that because you know why? Why? I'm Chrissy McQueen. Yeah, you are. I can do anything. Who are you? I'm Justin Winters, and I too can do anything. Can you win at the Hunger Games? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that. Well, we're going to get into that because that is the main focus of uh, this week's podcast. Before we go further, we should probably apologize for not getting uh, this episode out sooner. You know what gets in the way? Life. Baby making. Well, that part's already done. Now it's the baby cooking part of life that gets in the way. Life. But uh, also what gets in the way? Power outages. Yeah. We had yeah. a power outage last night. We were wanting to do this last night. Were you cold? Because I was freezing. No, I was okay. <sighs> I went to bed with clothes on. If you didn't, yeah, didn't you notice, because I went to bed totally naked. No way. That's right. I was in five layers of clothing, including a fleece headband. No, usually I like I just like a boxers to bed type of guy, but I actually wore like shirt and. Pants. You did. You you wore a t shirt. <laughs> <laughs> that must have provided you loads of protection. No, athletic pants. Oh, did you really? Yeah. I thought you wore like shorts. Yeah, I was ready to get up at a moment notice and do some wind sprints. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it was cold, y'all. The power came on around one in the morning, I think, and it wasn't even doing anything. Like it wasn't like, guys, it was such a huge thunderstorm and wind and rain, and then our power went out. It was like the day before. I know. It was doing nothing, and then the power went out, and we then went, okay. didn't come back till like, <laughs> 3 in the morning. I'm glad, though, that I'm not alone in thinking that it sucked and I was cold, because this morning I walked the dog, and everyone else around this complex was like, I froze last night. Oh, Californians. It was 60 degrees inside. Brr. That's cold at night. 60? <laughs> That's cold. We should just, like, let our... Be- I was about to say, lit our bed on fire. We should have made a fire out of some kidding. Yeah, we should have lit our bed on fire. It was like the Hunger Games. Speaking of, this admission of 60 degrees was so cold makes me think that maybe I wouldn't win. Mm, I don't know. So anyway, so since we missed so much time, we actually watched movies during that time, but we just didn't get to actually... Talk about them. Talk about them. So we're going to talk about four movies... But mainly the Hunger Games because it's everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so we have the Hunger Games, of course. And then the natural companion movie to that is Battle Royale. Uh Uh-huh. And the movies that we saw last week that we will be discussing are Lethal Weapon and 21 Jump Street. Jump Street, I can talk. Um, the, The version in theaters right now. Yeah, that's right. As opposed to the the TV show, which I don't really know why we would be discussing. 
Yeah. <clears throat> but first, Hunger Games. I don't even know where to begin, Jess. Um, so... Chrissy? Yes? Before watching the movie, what was your experience with Hunger Games? Uh, it's funny because you had read the book long before I did. Yes, the first book. Yes. Yeah. And you were like, Chrissy, oh my god, you gotta read this, it's awesome. I don't know what it is with me and, like, when people get all, like, peer pressure on TV shows or movies or books, I get, like, really, like, defensive about it. And I'm like, I don't want to. I don't need to. Blah, blah. And then one day I caved and I read it. Actually, I read all three books uh, on vacation in Seattle and in Portland. I didn't see much of the cities because my nose was in the book. And I loved it. I was obsessed. That is true. You were obsessed. So before this movie came out, I decided to go back and read the first book again. And then I was so into it again, I read halfway through Catching Fire, the second book in the series, and had to put it down. I was like, stop. You're going to read it again anyway before the next movie comes out. So stop. And I still have only read the first two and like the first hundred pages of the third one. <sighs> hey, there it is. It's actually right here. We do kind of use it as like, um, not a placemat, but... A microphone holder. Yes. Holder. <laughs> Stand. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, but I did that, I think, during the summer when I actually have more free time to read books and stuff like that. This is one of those trilogies where it's like I feel like every book that I read as I'm reading it, I, I say to myself that that one's my favorite. Like when I read um, the, read everything the first time around, I was like, The Hunger Games is awesome. And then I read Catching Fire and went, oh, this is really great. This might be my favorite. And then I got to Mockingjay. I was like, no, this is definitely my favorite of the three. And then I went back and read other games again and said, no, this is my favorite. Yeah, I think I, again, only reading the first two books in full. I like the first one better, but. I agree. That's just me. No, I agree with you. Maybe it's just because it was the original and it was just so, like, out of the blue. I was like, whoa. Well, wait till, you need to, like, read Mockingjay all the way through without interruption so you can really get a good grasp on that. Because I feel like it's darker Mm-hmm. And in some ways, better. Ooh, I like darkness. It's it's dark. <laughs> so you're a huge nerd. Yes. And apparently, when we got home from watching <laughs> IMAX in on a fake no, it was an, it was real IMAX. Honey, it was not a real IMAX. I actually, talked to someone at work who went to the same theater, and she was like, "No, that was definitely not of." A regular IMAX screen size. I love that you just, in one breath, you called me a nerd, and then we're like, and the IMAX we went to was not up to IMAX standards. Well, here in California, what is it, like 20 bucks to go see an IMAX movie? It was 17 a person. 17 bucks. All right, if I'm going to pay that much, at least be, like, true to your word and have it be... It's like... It's like if you went and paid, if you went to the uh, ArcLight and paid, what, like 14 bucks? Right. But it was projected on the back of some fat guy. <laughs> what? <laughs> you lie. This is this is not an ArcLight uh, screen. I'm watching on the back of some guy's back. I think that might be a slight exaggeration. <laughs> Just be true to your word. <laughs> <laughs> so how would that appear on your ticket? Like, two for a fat guy back. <laughs> Like, that's how you know when you get, when the guy who tears your tickets and tells you what auditorium you're seated in, he's like, auditorium fat guy. I kind of wanted to like stand up right before the 
10 trailers before Hunger Games. Oh my god, Games there were so many trailers. And say, I call shenanigans on this fake IMAX screen. You kind of did. Like, lead, lead like a revolt out. You didn't stand up, but I know you, and you're usually pretty soft-spoken in public and stuff like that. Like, I mean, you're not, like, quiet, but you were like... This screen looks like a fake IMAX. And you were sitting there, and we, and we were all like, it looks pretty normal. And Kim's like, no, and maybe it is a little bit smaller. And you were like, it's a fake IMAX. I don't think I was that loud. You were. Oh, man. It's okay. If we love you. Anyway, when we got home from like the movie at, what, like 1130, you went and wrote an email to yourself <laughs> saying what you liked and didn't like about the movie? <laughs> Well, it's not so much that I'm a big nerd, as you said, as much as it is that I know that I'm senile. And uh, so it was one of those things where maybe, I didn't I Maybe didn't you should want, start doing this for every movie we Maybe. Watch. But I was so particularly excited to see this movie. Yes. That I didn't want to forget any like little detail that I thought of while watching it or while we briefly discussed it. Yep. After, you know, et cetera. So that's why, yeah, at 1130 at night, I was sitting there with the laptop being like, hey, we'll take this. Okay. Should we say overall what we think before we get into your copious notes? Sure. Well, since we have to go through my copious n- notage. How long is that going to take? Not that long. Take because, a whole episode? No, because each little blurb that I have is almost self-explanatory in its thought. Like, it doesn't necessarily need to be delved into. You'll see. Okay. So, so- but go ahead. Uh, so overall, what did you think? No, I'm asking you first because mine's going to take longer. Oh, uh, um, overall what I thought, I thought it was very good. Okay. I wouldn't say it was great or that I loved it like a fat boy loves cake, (laughs) but I thought it was very good. Like a fat guy likes projecting movies on his back? I had like, maybe like one or two overall big problems i would say and then a bunch of like nitpicky that yeah most people would be like oh whatever which you'll see is a lot of my list the biggest problem i had and maybe this is just because i'm an old fogey sometimes but i thought um the camera work just was like really getting on my nerves throughout the movie the shakiness Yes, the shakiness. Okay. Like, I know, you know, since the Born Identity movies and stuff like that, it's really cool to have, like, shaky, handheld camera work and all that stuff. And I could see it being thematically okay to do it in this movie in parts, but especially at the beginning where I was, like, really excited to see my home state in its full glory because that's where they film this movie, I was just like... (laughs) The whole first ten minutes, I was just like, holy shit, I hope this doesn't happen throughout. Like, the camera would shake, and then you were like, okay, is it going to actually land on someone so I could see what's going on? And it didn't. So, like, the whole first ten minutes was like, shakiness, oh, shakiness. You're talking about District 12. District 12. Okay. Yeah. And so, it kind of settled a bit through you know after those first 10 minutes but then it would come back in moments where i was like stop shaking i want to see more i find it ironic that we're having this conversation because you love cloverfield and that was a movie where i literally had to look down sometimes because it was nauseating me well there's a big difference cloverfield was a first person point of view okay movie they had a a cam handheld camera this wasn't that at all. This, you know, and there's, I mean, the production design in this movie, in several scenes, we were just like, wow, that's pretty cool. 
I wish the camera work wasn't so shaky so I could see it. On one hand, I agree with you. On the other hand, I could argue that it does kind of have a first-person POV sort of vibe because while while in the games, anyway, the cameras are all strategically placed in trees and who knows if it's like in someone's backpack, you know, and stuff like that. (laughs) The cameras aren't in people's backpacks. (laughs) How do you know? And, you know... If you want good production, you don't you put it on a, a tree, an actual tree with some some girth on it. Yeah, but then what is the whole thing going to be filmed like Big Brother, where it's like you know a camera from the top of the ceiling? No, you would think that some of it would be filmed like an actual movie with actual you know right thought out camera moves and shots. I can't even I can't defend this point to be honest with you. I was playing the devil's advocate because I, mean, I does, agree with you. It doesn't happen part. throughout the movie, but it happens like enough. 75%. It does happen just, enough. We're just like, okay, I get it. Shaky. Okay. But don't you think that that was Gary Ross's way of kind of like how do I put this? Using that method allowed him to downplay the the murderous bloody parts. Maybe in one instant, the the most bloody, violent scene in the movie. But even that, I was just like, okay, like, you know, no sound, score, you can't really hear, you know, people are getting killed, but it's like, you can't even, you can't even see it because of the camera work. I don't know. Interestingly, you mentioned score. I'm so glad there wasn't a robust score in this movie. James Newton Howard did a good job. I like the score in this. Yeah, but I mean, it's not like overpowering and, and robust to the point where you're thinking of the score the whole time. I thought about it and I was like, this is a movie where the, the combination of, you know, the mental like part of the game, the, the physical, the violence, like, it doesn't really need a score. I mean, I guess the movie has to have one, but I'm glad that it didn't overpower the action. Yeah. Well, I mean, if I look back through some of my favorite scenes in the movie, um... I think the score was, like, perfect for what the actual scene was. Anyway. Back to your take. So, my overall take is, I thought it was very good. Um, not great. I liked it a lot. Didn't love it. Um, I don't know. I thought, you know, I thought when I got out of it, I, or I, before going in, I was like, this is going to be one of those movies where, right when I get out of it, I want to go see it again and again. Right. But after this, I was just like, you yeah, know, I thought it was good. Like, I could go see it in another couple weeks, maybe on a... A real IMAX screen. <laughs> but I, I'm not like... Chomping know, at the bit. It's not drive where we would see it oh, yeah, three right. times or whatever. Here's right. my question. What would you have done differently? What were you hoping would have been done differently? Um, What could have done differently? Uh, I mean, other than the camera work thing, um, I think it had a real big problem in terms of the pacing. And, I mean, knowing that they... It's obviously a very faithful, for the most part, for the most part of the book, and I'll get into. They had a lot to try to get in there, and you know, certain amount of time. But I think uh, the second half, just the the pacing of it lagged, and um, I disagree with you. Really? In fact, I, I I can't not only disagree; it's like a vehement opposite disagreement. No, no, no. The first half, um, I actually. I was like, this is going too fast. I want more of this, of, like, the setting up, like, the, um, the, the capital, uh, you know. Right. I, I, well, I kind of felt that way throughout the whole movie, to be honest with you. I felt like a lot of sequences were really truncated for time in well, this movie. Well, when you have a, what, a 
300-and-so page book and you're trying to get it into a... Right, but therefore I can't agree with you on the pacing because... I mean, maybe it's because, like, I, I am such a faithful follower of the series and I know and what When I say pacing, I, I don't mm. necessarily mean, like, what was included and what wasn't included in the movie. Right. I'm talking about this is what's in the movie. It's a whole movie. You have to figure out how to pace it out so you're not, you know... Not everyone has read the book. Right. So... You have to make it accessible. You have to make it accessible and you have to make it flow well. And I just don't think the second half of the movie flows as well. I agree. And I think that's a, main, that's a direction. <laughs> that's mainly a direction editing error. So okay. So, but you would. So you would have changed the pacing, or you would have liked to have the pacing changed. I'm sure a lot of people like. Right. Uh, the the, to, the main thing I hear is you know it was slow from people, and I, and I don't know if those are the people that have read the book, not read the book. But I'm just, guessing those are the people who have not read the book, or aren't very familiar with the book. Well, I'm sure a lot of people have read the books. Like, I wish it would have gone on for hours and I kind of wish it would have been longer. So. Yeah, I think it could have gone maybe, you know, 15 to 30. You're going farther than that. Right. You know. I guess what I, with the reason, maybe I'm not asking it right. I, I think the main thing I would have wanted more is the, um, the actual uh, stuff with the capital and why the games are run and how they're run and you know but they did have all that supplemental stuff that isn't even in the book with like president snow and, and i love crane. that i actually wanted more of that i was like whoa this is new i like this yeah this is um because what what happens in the movie is a lot of the uh you know the stuff that uh, she's thinking katniss is thinking about everything we don't know that so we lose a lot of the Subtext. That's true. And also, I think they cribbed a lot on some of the themes of catching fire. Uh, Like, we don't really... In the books, you don't really learn about... That, that there's rioting going on. Or how President Snow is feeling about this whole thing. We we know that he's kind of an insidious figure. But we don't really know to what extent until catching fire. And... Well, you got to get the, the main villain out there early. No, I'm saying I liked it. I, yeah. I like that they kind of... They they are obviously familiar with what's going to happen and up in, you know down the line that they decide to do include and even expand upon that in the first um, volume. Okay. So yeah. So, yeah. so uh, <laughs> overall, like I said, um, what else? I you mean, liked it, but you didn't. Like I didn't it. like it. The, the, I thought the pacing was kind of sluggish. I, I thought the camera work was like frustrating at points. Um. What I what I did like I love um, pretty much the casting across the board is pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Jennifer Lawrence. She carried that movie. Carried the movie. Um, I agree. I don't think there's anybody I would say was miscast. Production design, I think, is pretty good. Um, team Peanut or Team Gale, Justin? <laughs> well, see, that's a. That's, I hate that I even asked that. No, but it's hard to compare when Gale's got like. You like, know, seven minutes and Peter's got like an hour. No, you're right. So that's why I hate that when they try to turn the story into that. Yeah, I'm, that's not what it's I'm about. Team Katniss. How about that? There you go. Yeah, rah rah sisterhood. Rah rah. Hit that Brooklyn. What up? All right. <laughs> All right. Get down to your nerdy list. Let's hear this. All right. Here's my nerdy list. I haven't. I, I, haven't, um, I don't know this. I haven't read the list. You before. have not. It's true. 
Are we um, doing likes or dislikes? Before? I'll go with my likes first. Okay, go because ahead. Because let's start on a positive note, shall we? I think it, it was, in a, and I, most people will agree, it was an overall very faithful adaptation to the book. The themes were the same. The main points, the the points of action were the same. Um, Katniss, as played by Jennifer Lawrence, was the Katniss from the book. They didn't change her tone or her motivation or, you know, anything like that. She She is the Katniss you read about, and she plays it well. Apparently, people in the interwebs are complaining, complainers, and saying that she has too much baby fat for a girl that would be in the hungry. <laughs> oh, I've been reading it. That like all whatever they there's like a name for them too. Um, I don't know. I think it's like uh, body snarkers. But but here's the thing. What have we come to, people? It's so stupid. It, it's if you know anything about the books, you know that Katniss is a hunter with her friend Gail, and that therefore, even though they're thin. They are better fed than a lot of the other people in the seam because she's had to learn how to fend for herself. So that is an explanation as to why. And other than that, like, what, I mean, seriously, let's be honest. This is, this is 2012. Do you want her to starve herself for this role? Because, okay, let's do that, shall we? Let's not and say we did. Anorexia. Anyway. Uh, Okay, so overall faithful adaptation to the book. I, um... True. I applaud it for towing the line between pleasing fans and making the story accessible to newbies who haven't read the books. Because that's hard. You're bound to disappoint one of the two groups. Either people who aren't familiar with the series can be like, I don't want to see this. I don't... I didn't read the books. Like, that's why I didn't see the Harry Potter series for so long. Not because I didn't think that it was going to be a good movie or good series of movies, but because I was like, I very much thought that it would be inaccessible to me as somebody who didn't understand what was going on. And so I feel like they did a really good job of setting up what will be the rest of the series and making it accessible while still honoring the actual book and being true to what goes on there. True. Thanks. Yay. Um, oh, the, the then these are more like little nitpicky likes, but, you know, we'll go through them quickly. Uh, at the raping, they have this, like, reel that kind of explains the history of Pan Am and why there has to be a Hunger Games, mm-hmm. which was great. It was a good little storytelling device for everybody, you know, who hadn't read the books to understand, like, what the whole point of it was. Um, Effie Trinket, mm-hmm. as played by um, Elizabeth Banks. Awesome. She has some great lines in here that aren't even in the book. Things like, which is like, that is mahogany. Do you notice that they never even say your name in the movie? No, I think they do once. I don't think they think they, think they say trinket, but they say Effie. I don't think so. Pretty sure they say maybe like once, and you're you're right in that it's not like a frequent thing. I just think I'm like imagining people who didn't read the books and are like, "Who is this clown lady?" <laughs> you know, right, what's right. her deal? But it's hard as an actress to play, or an actor if it's a male role, to play somebody who is both likable and completely insipid. Yes. And no, I thought she did a great job. She's both of those things. You laugh at and with her at the same time. It'll be very interesting to see uh, her character develop in the next two series. Why are you laughing at me? <laughs> Go ahead. Why? It'll be very interesting to see her character Stop develop. Stop it! The, I care about this movie. In the next two series. I hate you. Okay. Uh, two words. Uh-huh. Caesar Flickerman. Tucci. Tucci. You know what's funny? When I read the books. I love the Tucci. I, I also love the Tucci. I really thought that uh, Stanley Tucci would make a great Cinna. 
Hmm. When you read the books, it's oh, because like, he's like um, it's pretty much like his character in um, Devil Wears Prada, almost a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, like a slightly more quiet, reserved version of that. Mm-hmm. In fact, when I read that Lenny Kravitz had been uh, cast, I was like, really? Hmm. Okay, you know, I'll, I'll see how you know jury's out, and he did a great job. <laughs> but um, and I'm but I'm so glad Tucci was in it, and he was just wonderful as Caesar. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm reading my little notes. You'll have to forgive me for a second. Hurry, hurry. Honorable mention for because we talked about casting being really good. Uh-huh. Uh huh. For the small part of Clove, Cato's counterpoint, the, the girl with the knives, the knife thrower who c- wants to cut Katniss in the face. Yeah, I hate her. She was exactly how I imagined her to be when I read the book. Oh yeah. Yeah, like exactly. Huh. So maybe it's just me, but. <laughs> But honorable mention for that bit part. I don't know what the actress's name is, but I was kind of proud. Uh, also, I felt like the, the kills were actually handled really well. They weren't horrific and bloody. They got their point across without being, I think, G-rated. Like, some of them, I mean, you saw that Rue, for instance, poor Rue, had, you know, an arrow through her abdomen. She pulled it out. And so it wasn't, like, completely bereft of violence. It had it. It just wasn't like, now we're going to watch Guts. Yeah, I mean, I I guess it's, uh, I just wanted the the whole cornucopia scene to be a little easier to follow what was going on. I agree, and that goes back to the shaky camera. Just because it's built up so much, and then there's the countdown, and then it's just like... Time to shake. It's like, shh, 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 shh. No, I agree with you in, in that regard. But I'm talking about the overall, like, especially the individual kills. Relatively well handled on, on the whole. My favorite my favorite kill is actually um, uh, the kid that doesn't watch the stash and it gets blown up. And so Kato comes back and he's oh, like. <laughs> that, I agree with you. No, that was a great kill because it, up until that point, maybe, maybe it had even told the line more towards GPG-13 where... Or PG, where you, you know, didn't see very much. That was the first time you really saw how deadly and a douche Kato really is. Because he was just, like, dispensable and killed that kid. Uh, we mentioned this earlier. All the supplemental stuff with Seneca Crane, the riot that they showed in District 11, the Game Maker's War Room, great use of Caesar Flickerman and Claudius Temple. Now, uh, Smith again, I haven't read the book since last summer, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. they didn't have all, all, all the Game Maker stuff in the book, right? No. Seneca Crane was only, I think, mentioned as being head Game Maker. That's it. He's he's only even mentioned once in the entire book. And then in Catching Fire, we found out that he met an untimely end. But not even just him, just all, like, the, you know, the people at the big war room computer with like no thing. claudius temple smith is mentioned a couple of times no there's definitely no war room in the, in the book whatsoever okay uh but claudius is mentioned as being the general announcer and he's the one who like you know gets on the microphone and says things like two of you can win and no never mind one of you can win i, I thought it was a cool way of explaining it i was like oh that is pretty cool and the coverage of the two of the hosts together kind of talking about talking you through what a tracker jacker is and stuff like that because i wondered about that i'm like how are they gonna get across what a tracker jacker is it's gonna the audience is just gonna think it's a hornet so i know that some fans didn't like that but i actually thought that it was a very effective tool to let novices in on what was going on i mean do those guys uh, i hope they sleep well at night they're kind of like 
murderous air traffic controllers. <laughs> like, yeah, no, it's true. Here's this gigantic bloodthirsty dog thing. Let's, you know. Oh, you're talking about the actual game makers. I was talking about the hosts who described like, oh, oh, what, you know, looks like she's going to send a tracker jacker nest down on them. Oh, I said game makers. Oh, I didn't hear. I'm sorry. Okay. So those were my likes. Okay. All right. Are you ready for the gripes? I, I hear one person that, that wasn't in the likes. What? Who? Uh, oh, I see his name in the dislikes somewhere. Oh. Starts with an H. Oh, well, we'll see. Okay, we're getting there. We're getting there. We need to hurry. This is I'm trying. I told you I was going to take a long time on this. I warned you in advance. Go. All right, some of these are going to be nitpicky, so I'll go through them quickly. You've been warned in advance. I already knew that they wrote out the mayor of District 12, the daughter, Madge. In the book, Madge is who gives um, Katniss the Mockingjay pin. I know. I know. I didn't miss any of that. Well, it's important. I think, I think it's a rather big setup for the other books, especially because everybody gets a token from their district, supposedly. Mm-hmm. And that's supposed to be her token. And in the movie version, Senna just kind of pins it on her secretly at the last second. Like, you miss the fact that that's, like, a token from her district and therefore important. Like, she just, like, bought it at the hob in the movie. Yeah, but that's in her district. Mm. No? I, I think that I think that something is missed um, by this. And also, how are they going to explain... I don't want to like get you know, get into this ruin if people haven't seen it. But what happens in um, in catching fire when she's at the mayor's house? They just won't include that. That's so important. <laughs> All right, let's see. We got lots of telling rather than showing. Okay, yeah. So this is I have a dichotomous thing here because just a second ago I was like I really liked it when they used the hosts, you know, to like explain what's going on that is otherwise dense in the novel. Yeah. But a lot, especially in the beginning, in the setup in District 12, I felt like there was a lot of telling as opposed to showing. Like, it was like, especially between Gail and, and Katniss, when, they're, you know, they're just kind of standing around talking to, like, so how many times are you entered this year? You know, oh, 42? Like, it was a way... I mean, I guess how else are they going to explain it? But I, I would prefer that... They, they just make out? <laughs> yes, I would prefer that they just make out. <laughs> and have, like, thought bubbles? Yes. I just felt like there was more telling than showing. Pop-up Hunger Games. (laughs) Pop-up Hunger Games. (laughs) Yeah. No, all right. I'm being nitpicky, maybe. I just felt like there was more telling than showing. Um, Okay, with the exception of... I don't know. I think there was a lot of showing for a lot of material they could have just told, so... All right. Well, maybe I agree to disagree. With the exception of of uh, Katniss and Gale, a lot of the other relationships felt glossed over, and I'm not the only fan who thinks that, because I'm a nerd, and I read. <laughs> I took a poll. I read. Um, it, even the Katniss and, and Peter relationship, I really didn't care nearly as much about them as a unit in the movie as I did in the books. I really didn't. Really? Yeah. I feel like they I were just I, lost over. I think a lot of the people that, that hadn't read the book was kind of confused by their relationship. I don't blame them. I don't think they got the whole fact. Well, and then, again, this is not helped by the fact that we're not, we don't know what she was thinking, which we do if we read the book. But right. I don't think they got that it was. Should have been shown sh- more, though. I don't think that it was more of a show for for the show. And they're like. Are they in love? Because it's very awkward. Yeah, that they they didn't. Yeah, they didn't quite explain that well. That she was putting on a show and that he was really in love with her. Yeah. Like there was a brief mention of it, which, by the way, 
Hamish and, and Peter were both in the room for. Peter's not supposed to know any like that it's a show. Like he's supposed to just be genuinely on board. And that was a, that was another gripe I listed later down because I was like, why was Peter there when Hamish was like, this is good, this will get us sponsors. Like which, he's not supposed to know that. Which again, by the way, I haven't I haven't read the book in a long in forever. But when does the whole subplot with like. Yeah. That come out. Was that in the first book? Her? Um, no. That was in the second book. That's in the second book. Mm-hmm. That Justin just did a gesture, by the way, which we can't reveal right now because we don't want you to know. It's very top secret. Read the book. But <laughs> See, that's the thing about watching this movie. If you've read the books, I told Chrissy, like, one of the first things I told her afterwards, like, half the movie, I was just thinking, I was like... Did that, that happen, happen in the book? Ask me. I re- I'll tell you. No, that's like one of the no. first things I said when I got on the movie. I was like, throughout the movie, instead of someone who didn't read the book and I was just like letting the story wash over me like a no. cool breeze, <laughs> I, I was just like, did that happen in the book? No. Wait, did this happen? Brief aside, Peter uses that as a device to try to protect Katniss in book two. Now, are we going to get... One of the main things Chrissy told me after the movie was that she didn't like Peter as much as she thought she would. Uh, well, I think was, that this now, is, is... Is that the script's fault? Is that Josh Hutchinson's fault? Probably a combination of the two, but more script than Josh. I think, honestly, I, I was really excited when he was cast in this. I know a lot of people were like, I don't know, I don't think this was a good idea. And then they were, like, all proven wrong, and now they think he's great. Mm-hmm. I was kind of on the opposite side, where I was like, he's going to be phenomenal. He's going to be an amazing PETA. Mm-hmm. And then I just thought he was, like, a good PETA. Not, like, bad, not even okay. Like, good. Just not an excellent Peter like I thought he would be. Now, is it because that because um, Peter needs to be kind of a wimp, but with a strong moral compass? And I think he got a lot more the wimp side out than the strong moral compass in his. Captain, you know what? I can I can put it this way for you. Catness mm-hmm. is is the fire of this story whether it's the book or the movie, mm-hmm. but Pete is the heart. Yeah. At least he should be. Yeah. I don't think that was really well conveyed in the movie. I didn't, I didn't feel like if I, if I had not read the books and I would just seen the movie, I wouldn't think like he's the heart of this movie. He wasn't. Hmm. And a lot of that, I, I do feel like a lot of also, um, Peter has great lines in the book and some of them weren't ever present in the movie. You know, he was just kind of like along for the ride, it seemed, more than he is in the book. A lot of mopey puppy dog of him. And not even movie. good puppy dog. Like, especially with the whole interview with Caesar Flickerman. Um, I mean, he was engaging and, and, and charming, yes. Mm-hmm. But especially the part where he's like, well, it's not going to work out because, you know, she came here with me. In the book... First of all, Katniss is supposed to be, like, on stage somewhere on the sidelines, and the camera's all to cut to her for her reaction. Why were they backstage where, like, nobody could see them? And that, I think that took something away. And I don't know. Maybe I imagined it differently. Maybe it's me. But, you know, it, just, it was okay. It wasn't amazing. Okay. A uh, couple other things real quick. Where was Hamish at the reaping? Where was he? Well, let's talk about Hamish in particular. Yeah, well, it's now our segue to Hamish. Why wasn't he in your like category? It's not Woody Harrelson's fault. This is definitely the fault of the script. Hamish is a drunkard. Mm-hmm. He's an alcoholic, surly drunkard. I got surly in this version, and that's all I got. 
also, Hamish has some great lines, and he had a couple in the movie, but not it, it, kind of like what I just touched upon with Peta. But he doesn't have nearly as many in the movie as he does in the book. And uh, again, this is a, probably the second thing I told you when I got out of the theater. But ever since I've seen started seeing pictures and then the trailer of him, <laughs> I know what you're getting get at. His wig just <laughs> really grinds me because I was like, was. Uh, Okay, I know he, he, you know, he won the Hunger Games, and then you know he's pr- practically part of you could count almost as part of the capital, and they have weird hairdos, weird wigs. So I guess that was his way of saying, okay, here's me trying, but not trying so much because my wig is terrible. Right. Like yeah, the, I know. Like in the scenes where they're in the 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 train car thing eating. Like, you can just see, like, the strands. Like, they didn't even brush the wig, and the strands are just falling. And it was just like, oh, man. You were so distracted by that wig. Did I, did they describe his hair in the book? Because I no. don't remember. They, they describe him as being incredibly bedraggled. He's supposed to just smell and stink to high heaven because he never bathes. He's supposed to, like, have a beard and a flask on him at all times. He's supposed to, you know, like, be a burping, falling in his own puke I just want mess. to brush it off. That's a huge thing, by the way, in, in um, when they're on the train. That's how, that's Katniss's first kind of pebble thrown at her wall of, you know, defense mechanism when it comes to PETA is when Hamish is so drunk that he pukes all over himself and he falls in his own vomit. And PETA volunteers to, like, take him back and clean him up even though an Avox can do it and Katniss yeah, is like, oh, think, he's a nice guy. I, I think, have to kill him. I don't think they got much of, like, the... You, got, you almost want to feel sad. When you're reading the book, you feel, you feel sad. sad. And he's tortured, clearly. He's like a tortured person. Yeah, and that doesn't come out as much as they, like, oh, made him no. like a comedian. Yes. Like a quipster. Yes. Exactly. And I'm like, and since when can he bend Seneca Crane's ear? Like, he goes into that war room and is like, I have a proposition for you. Like, how about you make my tribute, you know, a sympathetic person? Like, that is, that would be unheard of. The guy from District 12 gets to go in the war room and dictate how he thinks the story should be told to Pan Am. That, that really, that bothered me. I like the supplemental stuff a lot, but that was like, it felt like a breach of the character. It felt like a breach of the story. I'm like, that, I don't understand how that was okay because it wasn't, um, and that was another thing. I, I, I feel I didn't. I never got Katniss's kind of. I can't call it torture, but her split feelings over, especially in the beginning when when she was realizing that Peter was like a nice guy and all that, and remembering the boy with the bread, that she had to kill him. Still, I never really got that in the movie that she was kind of tortured over that. Like I have to sever ties with him. I have to ignore him because I have to kill him. It was never like that. It was like she was first indifferent to him, and then he said the thing on camera, and she got really pissed, mm-hmm. and then that was kind of it. And I understand we can't, you know, show or tell everything that was in the book. I understand, but even if the movie just is a standalone, you know, thing on its own without the book, like, that could have been conveyed, and it wasn't. All right, anyway. Um, also, a big thing in the book is that everybody, everybody in the government of Pan Am is listening at all times. You know, microphones, and that becomes a huge thing in Catching Fire because mm-hmm. they have to go to great lengths to not be heard. They are talking out in the open. Hamish and, and Sin are like telling her like things to do that you know if anybody knew, like the president, for instance, mm-hmm. punishable by death, let's say. And they are just talking out in the open like nobody cares. And I'm like, what? Hello? 
that's not okay because it's not okay for the future books and for, therefore for the future movies. How are they going to reconcile that? It was okay to talk out in the open in the beginning, but now it's not. Inside voices. <sighs> Makes me mad. <laughs> okay. Um, also, what happened to the whole sub-storyline about the Avoxes? That's kind of important, too, especially in... Um, well, you see them in the background. The third book. When, like, they go and they're up in their pit house apartment, you can see the people who are obviously meant to be the Avoxes, but you're just like... But they're, they're never... They didn't even use the term Avox. Like, not once. Like, you were talking about Effie. Nobody once says the term Avox in true. this. There's never a thing where, in the book, Katniss kind of gets drunk at the table and says something to an Avox, and it's a big deal... And it, 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 I guess the reason that these bother, again, these things bother me is because they're setups for what happens later. And I feel like th- this movie kind of missed the point on certain key setups. Like, we're never going to understand why it's important that Darius in book two is there. I wonder, or, if, there, wonder if there's a director's cut of this movie. Think there of better how, be. Think how much money <laughs> they can make if they release the director's cut in a couple months. Right. So I guess, like, I understand cutting certain things. Like, all right, maybe. I didn't like that Madge was cut, but I get it. You can get by without her. But certain things like that, like, it matters for later. Okay, anyway. Uh, Also, okay, so now I'm getting into the actual games aspect of everything. Um, Katniss found water really easily. That's a huge part of the book because that's, that's how she ties in the fact that Haymitch is trying to send her signals Mm -hmm. you know like by what gifts she gets from sponsors and what gifts she doesn't get from sponsors and she in the book she almost dies of dehydration after what is probably like three days maybe even four of searching for water even though it's the first thing he told her to do was find water well i think they had to go with either the whole um or the hornets not the hornets the tracker jackers tracker jackers so she was affected by the tracker jackers so much that how much like five to ten minutes of the movie is devoted to her like stumbling around right. and stuff like that. So they're like too much stumbling. Yeah, do we need five to ten minutes more of her stumbling because she's dehydrated? Right, but but then we never, as the audience, if you haven't read the book, you don't get the connection of like how and why Hamish sends gifts to her. And interesting because of the water. And yeah, and interestingly, there's a there's also on on Peta's half, by the way, he notices later on that he's not getting any gifts, at least in the book, that Katniss is the one getting all the gifts from Haymitch. And I want to see the vetting process for these gifts. Like, is there a person that like looks in the gifts to make sure there's they don't get like a machine gun sent to them or something? <laughs> yes, I'm sure. Anyway, so that that's like a that's a big deal to Peter later on because he kind of realizes it was all about her the whole time that Hamish didn't give a crap about him because, you know, like he never got a thing. And they never touched on that either. So the whole thing with the gifts bothered me a little bit. Oh. You know, all right. No so, gifts. Well, you know. Um also there was no verbalization between Katniss and Rue about becoming allies. Like Rue just helps Katniss on her own accord. And, you know, this is the Hunger Games. For all Rue knows, Katniss could kill her. There's never a verbalization about them being allies. It's just like, all of a sudden, Katniss is asleep and Rue's helping her. from As she's asleep in the tracker jackers. They have an agreement in the book. And, it, and they have to, like, shake on it. And it becomes a thing before Rue ever helps her. Well, she was a loner. They were both loners at the time. Right. What was, she, I mean, it's like, what was Rue's choice, pretty much? She could have kept being a loner. Could have. Yeah. 
How, I mean, but what she would, how long she would, was she going to survive with those, the crew of Kato and those peeps? Okay. <laughs> uh, this was a big one for me. I'm skipping over some of the even littler things at this point because as I look at them, I'm like, meh, okay, nitpicky, nitpicky. <laughs> It's just such but a long list. I'm almost done. Holy crap. This one really, really bothered me, though. Okay, why isn't it at the top? Because I'm going in chronological order. Oh, okay. Uh, after Katniss has found Peta, and they make it to the cave, and she nurses him kind of back to health. One, um, one of the things that happens in the book is that she kind of has to like tell him stories because he asks her to. Because mm-hmm. up until this point, he'd kind of been protecting her as it turns out. And, you know, looking out for her by hanging out with the careers and putting his life in jeopardy to save hers. And now it's time for her to return the favor. And it's like she takes care of him. She feeds him broth. But there's no real bonding conversation seed of a relationship forming between them. I love the unveiling of the broth, by the way. Yeah. It's like, what is he going to get? What is he going to get? Broth. Here's some soup. Yeah. Right? It wasn't even for him, it was for her. Can you pour the soup on my leg so I... <laughs> right. Like, in the book, that becomes a big thing. And I, and it, it, that, I feel like they, they missed the boat on really developing their relationship there. Because we touched on that earlier, too, in this. And that their relationship just kind of seems slightly glossed over. You don't know whose motivation is what. That would have been... That was a golden opportunity to kind of set the tone for their relationship, and they failed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the big thing in the cave was that... Um, he doesn't want her to go back to the cornucopia to get him medicine. Clearly. She's supposed to drug him mm-hmm. <laughs> with sleep syrup. And that's the only way that she's able to go to the cornucopia and fight. And the reason that that's important at all is because it's a huge act of betrayal to PETA. Up until this point, he has protected her. He has trusted her implicitly. And he knows as he's like falling into that, you know, comatose state that she did this to him and it's like a, it's a kind of, at least in the book i thought it was a heartbreaking moment and completely missed it she was just like all right i won't go and then he went cool and fell asleep and she left i was like what happened wait a minute where was the betrayal there was no betrayal he just got kind of mad at her when he, she came back and by the way, when she gets back, she's supposed to be, like, so bloody she can't see. And then she, like, falls down and passes out from the loss of blood. And he takes care of her. She comes home with a scratch on her face. <laughs> okay. There were two points where I laughed out loud in this movie. First first and foremost was when uh, Peter unveiled... <laughs> see, I'm laughing about thinking. Oh, no. When he unveiled his camouflage against the... Um, was it the rocks? <laughs> yes, yeah, because he he did um, frosting, and so he was really good at camouflaging in the training center and in the games. Uh, not the one who was practicing in the training center, but when he was like, "Hey, Cadness, I'm here hiding." But that happens in the book. I know, but I didn't laugh about it when I saw it in oh, the book. It's so it. hilarious. Well, it's a good. So, so I laughed out loud then, and then I also laughed out really loud where it was supposed to be a touching moment where she's got. A huge blood mark across her forehead, and he's just like, "Oh, smearing it!" He just smears it on her forehead. It was like here with my. Oh, that's the other thing. I understand that they don't have like antiseptic around. He's got filthy hands. He's like, "Let me put something on it," and then like, yeah, it looked like paint, like smearing it the street on her head. I was, I agree with you. I was like, "What is this?" You are marked. That's so clearly not okay. Like, honestly, she's supposed to be a stumbling, bloody mess. Comes back with the medicine and like. 
he nurses her back to health again. They help each other. And this was missed. And I'm so upset as I talk about it. <laughs> she didn't help him right. He didn't help her right. Ah. Oh, man. Okay. Let's, let's... Um, why were there no hovercrafts taking the bodies? Just as a brief aside, there were supposed to be hovercrafts. They only had a budget for one. Okay. Well, whatever. Um... More hovercrafts. Chrissy demands more hovercrafts and catching fire. <laughs> it's true. Okay. Um, apparently, Peta thinks about the moment with the bread all the time, and he regrets not handing it to her. Since I re- when? I regret there not being another moment that they could flash back to. Because <laughs> they always flash back to the same. If they could have cut half of the flashback okay. bread moments, that would have been ten minutes but, off the movie right but there. But here's what kills Pacing me. problem. Right. But here's what kills me. That's something that he says. That's not his cross to bear. That's hers. She is almost sad and sickened with grief that he helped her all those years ago. And therefore, she has to help keep him alive now to, like, return the favor. She doesn't like owing people. So his help is actually her cross to bear. Not his. In the movie, they made it his by being like, I should have handed you the bread. Why did I just toss it at you? That was horrible of me. Oh, man. Let me remember this time that I've remembered several times already in this movie. The bread incident. Oh, I should have made you a bread umbrella that could have saved you from that rain. Yes. All right. What were you doing out in the rain anyway? Don't you have a and home? And you were also supposed to be like 11. <laughs> okay. Uh, the, I'll go very quickly. First of all, the mutations are no longer dead tributes. When the, when the mutts come up, they were made in the lab. Oh, that's so much better. That they weren't the dead tributes anymore? That the dogs? Yeah. That had faces of yeah. the people? Yeah, I'm yeah. so glad that didn't happen. Why? Because that would look goofy. I would have been laughing. It wasn't supposed to be their faces. It was the eyes. It was like, you were supposed to be able to tell, like, the little small one with the giant eyes is Rue. Or, like... Well, that's that would be kind of hard to convey in, in this movie. No, because they all had... In the book, they all had collars with numbers on them. Like, 11, 2, 1. So, like, you know... That, and she, like, she even says, she's like... She's like, I recognize... That's Glimmer. Like, you know, because she was the one who got killed by the Tracker Jackers. Anyway... I mean, when a, a bloodthirsty giant dog thing is coming after me, I'm not like staring into its eyes and saying, I think it lost. "Is it you, Glimmer?" <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to hightail up a tree so I don't get eaten. All right, I hear you, but at the same time, I feel like it lost something because at that point, then it just becomes. I laughed at that when I read the book. A big early like, hologram coming after you, like it, it loses something. I thought. Uh, I thought it was it was good for them not to do it. I still thought they were kind of goofy in this movie. I also didn't understand like when the game makers put them in there, like three yeah. of them at a time. I was like. Since when? What if they killed all of them? Right. And also, they didn't. when the game makers put them in, they're not supposed to put them in to chase Katniss and Peeta. They're supposed to be chasing Kato. Katniss and Peeta are supposed to already be at the cornucopia, and then Kato comes out of nowhere, and she's ready to kill him, and then she sees that something's chasing them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and I'm like, why are they chasing Peeta? Since when do they chase Peeta? Also, since when is Peeta able to run? Because he's supposed to have a leg that's near falling off, ampu- like, near amputation. He got the cool capital cream, don't you see? The, the cream doesn't make a difference because also, by the way, the, one of the dogs <laughs> is supposed to like bite his leg off practically. And then she ties a tourniquet around it. And then at the very end with the berries, she almost shoots him. And then he unties the tourniquet to commit suicide and says, just do it, Katniss. Like, and then, by the way, in subsequent books, he's supposed to have an artificial leg. None well, of that happened. None of that. 
I guess it's not as sexy to have your romantic hero have had like a peg leg walking around. <laughs> okay, well, fine. They don't, they're the, not, they don't necessarily. Don't you remember how- the holographic dog bit it? <laughs> The one with Glimmer's eyes. I was staring into her holographic dog soul. She she had a collar with her her district number on it. Okay, maybe she doesn't. Uh, that's why I got bit off. That's why I got bit in the leg because I was trying to figure out which one is Glimmer. Maybe is that you? Is that you, Rue? Maybe he doesn't need to have like a peg leg in the future books. But, like, I felt like that was a poignant moment when he, like, rips off the tourniquet and is ready to die. Like, ready to bleed to death right then and there so she can win the games. Oh. Anyway, that bothered me. Um, okay, so we talked about that, we're talking about that, we're talking about Oh, Katniss outright says to him, you know what? They don't need to have a winner to Peter when she knew better than to say that out loud. Like, Katniss was, say what you will about, you know, Katniss's attitude for pretty much everything. But especially geared towards the capital and um, government in general. But she knew better than to say out loud thoughts that she thought could hurt um, her mom or Prim or anybody back home. She was very, like, cognizant of what she said because she didn't want them to take it out on her family. She would have never said that. I felt like that wasn't true to the character even, to be like, they don't need to have a winner because that was a big F you to the government. And she, I was like, when she said that out loud, I was like, what? Seriously? Okay. How dare she? Well, it just wasn't right. Um, also, I don't know what I wrote. I wrote, no conversation between Pete and Katniss at the very end about it being a show and how Hamish was sending her stuff. Oh, yeah. In the book, there's a whole conversation about how, like, you know, it was just, she was just a show of affection. Because he was like, so what do we do now? It was like holding her hand and really lovey-dovey. And she was like, uh, well, it was kind of show. And, you know, and she was like, wait a minute. You and Hamish had a system worked out, didn't you? Because I didn't get anything. You got everything. He was sending you signals and you knew it. And she was like, yeah. And he's like heartbroken over it. And that set the stage for catching fire and none of that happened. Um, anyway. Also, no mention whatsoever of District 13 and how it was supposedly leveled during the rebellion. Well, that's going to have to come into play in Catching Fire. It better. But I was like... That'd be great if they just didn't talk about, like... I'm like, what, are they not going to even talk... Because they like 12 districts, da 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 I'm like, there should be at least an honorable mention to the level District 13 that's like smoking but, an ash. But there was... But there wasn't, I mean, in the first book, they, they didn't talk about District 13 a lot, though. They, well, they did because they, when they talked about the rebellion, and, like, that's the reason we have the Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. Um, they, another thing that they say, the leaders of Pan Am, that is mm-hmm. President Snow, is that they leveled District 13 as, you know, a reminder to the other districts that you are all dispensable and we could level you at any time as well. So don't even think about protesting the Hunger Games because we'll just level your district. Ah, example. Got it. This. And that never happened. All right, that's my list of gripes. That seemed to last a really long time, and I'm sorry. Holy crap. Glad we have no time to talk about all those other three movies. <laughs> all right, number one. So we got two, three questions. Yes. Number one. Yes. How would you do in the Hunger Games? I, um, I would obviously be a flight person and not a fight. I think I would do about as well as Foxface. Foxface. Yeah. She was the one who was more clever than anything else. She didn't. She was clearly not a fighter. 
Uh, but she watched. You, you wouldn't be like the chick that started the fire in the middle of the night oh, so everyone could f- find you? I would not. I really do think I would be more like Foxface. I would lay low. I would watch without being observed. And you like she learned how to do the little hop, skip, jump thing to get in. She'd always steal a little bit of food. Not enough to be noticed, but enough to like get by. Because mm-hmm. at the end, they just need somebody to still be standing. You don't necessarily, if you think about it have to have killed anybody. I mean, the game, game makers will try to drive them together to make that happen. But uh-huh. you don't necessarily have to kill anyone. You just have to be the last one standing. So I, I, I would get about as far as she did, and then I would probably make some sort of fatal error like she did about seeing berries out and being, you know, kind of a scavenger, taking them and then dying. <laughs> I think you could get a lot of sponsors. That'd probably help you. You think I'd get sponsors? Yeah. Why? She's a good talker. Oh, thanks. Nice. I don't know, but I might get annoying. Who's that girl with the horse teeth? I don't like her. That's what they'd say. That's what they'd say about me. Now, would you... Be, would you? So, at the beginning, you would run away from the cornucopia, I assume. Because if you ran towards the cornucopia... It'd be, be over. There'd be no... Although... Somebody just like... I actually think right I would head. have a very similar reaction to Katniss. Knowing I should run. Being told I should run. And at the last second, seeing something, something that could really help me and hesitating. I, and I, I think I would actually have done exactly what she did. Like a trint of Starbucks coffee. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Where, like, she hesitated. Ultimately, she ran away. But she hesitated. She thought about it. And Peter was shaking his head like, don't do it. I would have had that reaction, too. You would have been shaking your head at me like, don't even think about it. And I would have been like, but maybe I could, if I could just, if I could just... You know, and then ultimately I would have realized, like, oh, crap, better run. Got it. Okay. But you, well, I, same question for you. How do you think you'd fare overall? Like, really? Um, well, I'm not very fast. I'm big, but I'm not, like, bulky. How strong are you? Not very strong. <laughs> so you're just big. You got, you got a strong heart. Oh, you're like the big PETA. Like the big PETA. <laughs> big Pete. Um, but I am smart, so that's true. I would, uh, I would try to evade conflict as much as possible. So you would also be a flight, not fight person. But I also have the problem of being pretty easy to spot. I was you're so like, big. I'm six six. <laughs> I'm not really good at climbing trees. Tree, tree, <laughs> Justin. <laughs> uh, I'd be fated to be, you know, the holographic dog person. I think that your best play, if I were your mentor, uh-huh. would t- would it tell you to be- play a social game, to get with the careers. Oh, yeah? Like really infiltrate them. And find some sort of indispensable thing to make them want to protect you as long as possible. And I'd warn you that they're going to turn on you eventually, so you need to have a backup plan. I don't know. I wouldn't. I don't know if I could be like Peta and have them boss me around and just like be like, oh, whatever. I'd be like, you know what? <laughs> and then they don't. The rest of them will kill me. Right. Exactly. Well, yes and no. I think if your life was on the line, you you would keep that in check. Or if you were trying to protect somebody like me. Hopefully you'd keep hitting Jack. I would protect you. Thanks. I would camouflage us both against the rocks in an extremely goofy way. That was great, by the way. But what would be your talent in the training center? Like when, because every, everybody has the thing, then you know they have to show the game makers to get a score. Uh huh. Peta was really strong, so he'd like swing really heavy objects. Katniss obviously is an archer, 
what would be your thing that you would show everyone? Mm, I don't know. I'd like a dunk a basketball or something. <laughs> I didn't see any basketballs <laughs> lying around the training center. I'd dunk somebody's, you know, head, <laughs> decapitated head. <laughs> yeah, there were many of those lying around too. Could you have just said like not tying? That's what I would do. I would I would wait for the cornucopia the cornucopia thing to happen. Yeah. But then I'd go back and start collecting heads, and then I would just use the heads to throw at people. I actually think that if you had been trained, like any of the people are in this movie or in uh-huh. this book, I think you'd be more of a Gale type. Not that he was in the games, but he was notably good at making snares and traps. I think that you'd be pretty good at that because you're methodical, you're smart, and you could probably that's like a. A I was good at, good at mousetrap as a kid. I could create, there you go. create a... I think that would be your thing, not tying and making snares. Okay. I think I would personally be more of a Rue type. Like, how did she get up there? And, like, climbing into small spaces and trying to be relatively unseen. Light and unseen. Okay. Um, and the other question is, what did you think about the end of the movie... Because I think they made a fatal error in ending it incorrectly. Um, I think mm-hmm. that I think that they had a, a logical cliffhanger that they could have used with, um, you know, uh, with Katniss and Peta. They're back. And they raised the hand up, like, yay, they should have just ended it there. But for some reason, they went back and had President Snow just, like, ambling around in the Game Maker room. And then he turned around and walked up the steps, and that was the end. And I was like, why did they do it that way? I understand why they did it that way, but I'm with you in that I don't agree. Uh, like I already said. Like, I you want to go out and like, yes, catching fire. Right. Instead, you were like... Uh, catching, catching fire. fire? <laughs> I feel like they really missed the boat on how they left it with Peta and Katniss mm-hmm. completely. And they could have, if they had done it right, they could have ended it right there. It would have been funny if they ended it when um, they were about to eat the berries and the announcement came over, the winner of the, of the Hunger yeah. Games, and just ended it there. <laughs> right. Also, there was no real explanation, by the way, after that when she came back, you know, um... I mean, Hamish just kind of tells her, hey, everyone's really embarrassed that you, like, you know, did that. And so now you've really got to, like, play it safe. And I'm like, first of all, why is he saying that out loud? Again, what's with the out loud? He's supposed to, like, hug her and be like, good job, sweetheart, in her ear. Be like, listen, you're in danger. That's, I, that was, when I read that, it, like, sent chills up my spine. Instead, he's just like, hey, you should probably watch it. Just saying. In case anybody else wants to hear me, I'm telling her she should watch it because everyone's mad at her. And I'm like, are you kidding me? That really bothered me. And like a second later, she's in that like frilly dress that Cinna put her in. But there's no explanation as to why she was dressed like a five-year-old, even though there should be in the book. Oh, my God. I forgot another goofy part. The um, Although her dress thing with Caesar Flickerman worked. Yeah. The whole she was so awkward. The, the, both of their 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 outfits on the fire and when they're actually going down yeah. in the like carriage thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did, did not. Work. I thought it worked okay. Really, I did. I did. It was a little like CGI, but it worked a little, a lot, 
Oh, man. I, I, you know what? I have to say, I didn't like her interview with Caesar Flickerman. First of all, there's a huge training thing she goes through in the book before that with Effie about manners and how to walk in high heels with Hamish on, like, interview. And it's clear that she sucks across the board. And she gets really frustrated because she's not a girl's girl. And she doesn't like trying to pretend to be charming. Yeah. So, yeah, Cinna tells, you know, her, pretend you're just talking to me. But then she actually is charming on stage. And that didn't happen. She was totally, like... Deer in the headlights, standoffish. Do you want to see my dress? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that would have gone over well. What just happened? Anyway. Wow. So I'm with you in that I liked it a lot. I would say it's a very good movie. Uh-huh. An overall good adaptation. Uh-huh. What will be your final grade? I'm hovering between an A- minus and a B plus, but I'm probably going to round up because I like the story so much. Yeah. So you give it A minus, I give it like a B plus. Okay. See? There you go. Okay. And they did a lot of things right. Yeah. But, you know, if if I'm putting on my nerd hat, there were a lot of things that I felt could have been different. True. There you go. And, it, you know, it's going to make a zillion dollars at the box office. Well, good. Nobody's going to care. Hopefully they'll take these notes out, because I'm not alone. Take your notes. I'm not alone. <laughs> Gary Ross is at home. So Chrissy said this. Puts it at the top of his list. Oh, man. Very important. I'm not alone. I'm telling you. Go on the Internet Movie Database message board. I'm not alone. Other people feel the same way. See, I didn't do that. I didn't go on Well. The okay, so now that we've taken the whole time to talk about Hunger Games. Which is great. I'm so glad. I told you that was going to take the whole time. We have three movies. We're going to take, what? Five minutes. Five minutes per movie, maybe. Maybe. So let's run through these really fast. Yes. All right. Chrissy, you've never seen Battle Royale. Right. Released in, I think, 2000. Okay. Everyone, when they heard Hunger Games, the book was coming out, the movie's coming out, they're like, isn't that Battle Royale? Battle Royale Royale ripoff. So what do you think of Battle Royale? I don't think that Hunger Games was at all a Battle Royale ripoff. I think the only thing those two things, movies or stories, have in common is children fighting each other to the death for um, the adult's benefit. That's it. It's the only two things these movies have in common. Battle Royale, the kids knew each other. They, like, grew up together. They were from the same class. Mm-hmm. Um, and But they had the whole, like, the government, uh, you know. There was an overthrow of the government, and then they created this because they're like, we'll show them, we'll do this, and make sure they never forget. No, it, it was, as opposed to a never forget thing, it was more of a distrust of children in general. It was like, we distrust youth, the youth, so we're Youth, youths. The youths. Uh-huh. So we're going to pit them against each other. Okay. Uh, I honestly don't think it had anything in common with the Hunger Games, except for that. The fact that it's kids fighting each other to the death because adults want them to. To keep people in line. That's it. The very basic like bones. Well, I mean, we could, we could say that both of them... Crib from a lot of early. I mean, it's like everything. Right. Somebody cribs for someone. From something else. But to say that it's an exact like Suzanne Collins ripped off Battle Royale is ridiculous. Well, the main the main gist of it is very the same in both. What like what I just said? The bare bones. <laughs> the bare bones. That's what it is. That's the bare bones of, of both stories. Maybe. I granted I didn't read Battle. Maybe the ske- I think the skeletons are very similar. Maybe the guts are different. Completely. Okay. Well, my skeleton is about the same as yours, but, you know, I don't think we're at all, like, physically other than that. 
Well, no bones, I have bones. One big difference in Battle Royale that they didn't have in Hunger Games is they had guns. Like, guns, yeah, guns in Battle Royale. Everybody was equipped with something. So, that's what I said earlier. Like, if somebody sent me a... What were they called again? The... Parachute? The parachute with Gips? a machine gun attached to it. Like the guy in Battle Royale with, like, the crazy hair had. Right. Oh, Japanese it, Johnny Depp. It, it would be a very short Hunger Games. I keep calling him Japanese Johnny Depp because be like, I feel like that's who he wanted to be secretly. A lot more kids in, in Battle Royale, too. Like 40-something. Yeah. Yeah, and the teacher is killing them when he's explaining what's going to happen. And then he's like, that's against the rules. I'll kill another one. Uh, I didn't really understand his whole motivation, either. The teacher. The seventh grade teacher? Yeah, I was like, Wouldn't that be uh, super awkward if you were, like, sent off to this, like... Battle Royale, crazy, let's kill everyone island, and the big baddie is like your seventh grade teacher. Right? And then, like, in secret, he makes paintings of how everyone will die and who he thinks should win at the end. Really amateur paintings, too. Yeah, totally bad. <laughs> it looks like something on, I do on Draw Something. <laughs> in fact, I might need to do that on Draw Something. Uh, but, the, like, a hundred times more violent than yeah. grossing out Chrissy. Well, exploding yeah. heads. Well, this wasn't a PG thirteen movie. This was a Japanese movie where they're like, no rules. <laughs> and by the way, and I asked you this, but this is like a genuine question I have about Japanese movies in general with with girls under the age of like twenty five in them. Thank you. Thank you. Do they talk in the high voices because they all naturally have high voices, or do they do them because it's supposed to be cute? <laughs> I don't understand. Would you rather them talk like this? No, but in a normal tone of voice. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I mean, seriously. <laughs> like, I, I can't figure it out. I'm like, is that their natural tone of voice? Is it, like, I can't say a cultural thing, but, you know, like, that's how they're born? You know, a naturally higher voice register? Or are they just being silly? I don't know. Come <laughs> It was distracting. Can you even remember the movie? Are there any uh, scenes or anything that stuck out to you that you're like, yeah, that was awesome? I thought it was awesome when all the nerds got together and they were figuring out how they were going to hack into uh, the military slash teacher's compound and basically, like, get themselves off the island. I was really into that whole thing. And I thought it had legs and it was going to take off. And then when it got... When it, like... It was truly like a balloon that they were blowing up and blowing up (laughs) and blowing up. And then... The balloon wasn't even popped. It just went... I was like, are you serious? Stupid nerds. Yeah. It was... I mean, either that balloon should have taken off or it should have been popped. Nope, neither. It was... (laughs) And I kind of felt that way, actually, throughout the entire movie. Really? Yeah. Balloon, balloon, balloon. Highly disappointed. No, not highly disappointed. It was like a slow release of air the entire time. Somebody else dies. Somebody else dies. Somebody else dies. Also, what was the secret of her smile? (laughs) What the hell was that? Seriously. There's this whole sequence where this kid who was a previous winner of these Battle Royale games comes back. And he's talking about his dead whale girlfriend, Keiko. And... (laughs) Whale girlfriend. It's only other time for Keiko. And he's, like, talking about how as she died, like, he's, she smiled him. And, like, 
The reason he came back to fight 40 children in the games again was so he could figure out the riddle to her smile. And I was like, that's why you came back to risk your life to fight 40 more children to the death? Seriously? And then at the end... He's like, he's like, my name is Nico Matoya. I came back, I came back to Battle Royale to find the secret of my inner smile. Right. And then at the very end, it's like clear that he's probably dying. And he's like... I figured out the, the secret to Keiko's smile. And the one surviving girl's like, ah, what? And then he's like, it's, it's, yeah. And then he smiles and dies. And I'm like, wow. Oh, Japan, you think you're so clever, don't you? The Americans will never get it. Uh, there's a sequel that I, I never saw. But maybe, a sequel to this? Maybe he comes oh back. God. He comes back from the dead. No. The secret of her smile. Oh my god! So okay, so what would be your final grade for Battle Royale? C C plus. Mm, B minus somewhere okay. on there. It's not bad. Yeah, it's funny that we're similar on both movies, but like I'm slightly higher on Hunger Games and you're slightly higher on this. Because I like violence. If it had been less violent, would it, was seriously is that your selling point? Like, <laughs> why not? Okay. If it's a movie about kids killing each other, I will tell you one thing: more Mitsuko. I would have liked to have found out more about Mitsuko. Yeah. She was a raging bitch. <laughs> she okay. was interesting to me, and then she only came on screen to kill people, and that was it. And I was like, can't we find out more about her? I think that's actually a big part of what bothered me about this movie. We only found out about, like, one kid, the entire movie, about, like, his background and his dad committing suicide. Yeah. Isn't that the worst? Yeah. Like, your parents, both your parents die, and then you have the luck to be on Battle Royale. Yeah, that kind of sucks. <laughs> But, like, you never find out about anybody else except for the two girls who are on the side of the mountain with the freaking megaphone going, We want the truce! Come meet us! We are at this location on this side of the mountain! Shut up! <laughs> yeah, right. Please don't come and kill us! Just come and join us in a circle of peace! Ah! And then they die. <laughs> Nobody wanted to know the secret of their smiles. <laughs> Stupid. Stupid girls. All right, 21 Jump Street. Good. Good. <laughs> also, I, was, I was like, I was like, could I talk? How long can I talk about 21 Jump this Street? This is the first movie that I've seen Channing Tatum in that I didn't hate him in. Yeah, well, let's take these four and a half minutes that you can write a letter <laughs> to how sorry you are to Channing Tatum, because you really raised against him in the Val review. Well, come on. Go ahead. Let me hear it, dear. It's dear Mr. Tatum. I'm sorry. You were pretty good in this. I think I just like you better when you're not trying to romance some girl up. Because you're better when you are just being yourself. Which I have a feeling you were. This wasn't a big acting stretch. Thanks. Love, Chrissy. There. Was that that hard? Well, don't be patronizing. <laughs> I did your letter. No, I think he's the, the major discovery of 21 Jump Street. He's really funny. And, and, and not funny in, like, he's, like, really trying hard type of funny. Not Will Ferrell funny. <laughs> not, not Will Ferrell. <laughs> no, like, funny in, like, a lo lovable doofus type of way. But yet he wasn't very funny on Saturday Night Live. Well, that's a whole other... I see, I don't think he's that funny. That's I a think whole that other conversation. Was, I think he was basically himself in this, and that's why it was funny. Wow, you're sliding back to... No, I'm not. It's what I just said in a nice way. No, I think he was really funny. Good. Um, my favorite scene in this movie is when they uh, take the drugs and they go crazy. Oh, that was pretty good. <laughs> in different stages. 
Um, what about when Johnny Depp comes back out of the blue and you're like, what? That's the most random thing in the movie. I had no idea that was coming. Uh, yeah. Um, it was very random and weird. I don't know if it added to the movie. I was m- mainly just like, whoa, that came out of nowhere. Yeah, like, oh. And you're like, who's that other guy? I was like, he was in 21 Jump Street too. Oh, yeah. I didn't know the other guy. I just knew Johnny Depp. But other than that, um, yeah, I guess it was mainly a surprise because you just kind of expect all movies that are based on TV shows or whatever. Also a surprise, uh, Brie Larson in high school. Brie Larson, I like a lot. I like her too, but high school? I think in another life, it was a, if it wasn't me and you, it could be me and Brie Larson. Brie can hold her liquor. There you go. That is a girl who wants to just put, drink whiskey straight up and then tells you that it's not enough and that she needs more. Forget the other life. Me and Brie Larson. <laughs> Just kidding. I think she's good. I also thought uh, Dave Franco, uh, J- uh, Jimmy Franco's little brother, was good. Oh yeah, yeah, he was. I remember. I'm so funny because I'm watching, going, "He looks so familiar. Why do I know this kid?" And you were like, "Because you're thinking of James Franco. He's his younger brother." And I went, "Oh my god, he totally is." True that. Yeah. Final grade. Final grade. Um, oh, BB plus. I agree. That was pretty good. Yeah. Go, I mean... It's a fun movie. You don't necessarily have to spend $17 to see it in fake IMAX. Oh, my God. You wouldn't want to do that. <laughs> You'd just be pissed off the right. whole time because of the fake... But, uh, good Netflix ma- it. Matinee, matinee Netflix Matinee. Movie. It's, Mat- a good, it's a good matinee film. What are you doing? You said matinee. Doing, like, yoga moves over here or my something? My back hurts. I was trying to crack it. All right. So, five minutes. Chrissy finally saw a lethal weapon. I have Let's to spend a whole five minutes on hand. this. And... <laughs> Give you a hand clap. You're giving me the clap. Giving you the clap. Thanks. Cool. So, what do you think of *Lethal Weapon*, Chris? Yeah, it was okay. That's it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Glad they uh, made four more. Yeah, I don't understand why they did. To be honest. Really? Yeah. I mean, it was just okay. It wasn't like great. It wasn't terrible. It had its funny moments, but it was like a. If I would have seen it at when it came out, then I would have thought. That was pretty good. And then that's it. Like, I wouldn't have gone on to make four sequels. I would venture a guess that you, that Lethal Weapon is probably the earliest uh, Mel Gibson uh, role that you've ever seen. Perhaps. It's the most Australian I've ever heard him sound. Do you kind of see why people are, might think that he could be legitimately insane? Yeah, oh, completely. Like, when you watch this movie, you're like... Was he at, was he was he pulling a Channing Tatum? I was just gonna say he, it was like the Channing Tatum is syndrome. He, is he acting like himself? Pretty much, it seemed. I don't know. I, I like *Lethal Weapon*. Number one, I love the 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 relationship between Dan Glover and no uh, well, Riggs and Murtaugh between the two guys. I agree. It was good. Um, number two, Yin and Yang, if you will. <laughs> kind of reminded me of *Family Matters*. *Lethal Weapon*. Why? It's a rare condition <laughs> this day and age. Read the good news on the newspaper page. Lethal Web was a good movie to watch with Die Hard. Okay, I, I can see that. I prefer Die Hard to this. Oh, I do as well. Also, since when was What's-His-Face, like, 50 years old? Danny Glover? Yeah, yeah. He's like, I'm 50. And I was like, so what are you now, like, 80? <laughs> I think he might be. No. Um, I don't know. I think he was four. I don't quite know. Maybe he's 40 playing 50. Okay. He aged himself up throughout the movie because he had to 
um, say the, the infamous face. <laughs> Why are you saying fairy matters? Because he's black? <laughs> no, that would make me horribly racist. I don't see the connection. Because he had a family? He's a cop. <laughs> No. You did say throughout the movie, it's kind of like the Cosby show. I did. <laughs> like, why? Because the dad is a black family with a black dad? No, I don't understand. They, the, the, what are those? Sweaters? <laughs> Cosby sweaters. <laughs> or a couple. No, I don't know what it was. It was just something, I I, I don't know. It was very, I, it, it didn't have to necessarily pick family members and Cosby. Family ties, whatever. It was like, it, there was like an 80s sitcom quality to that family. Well, you you and early nineties. You had a strong um, disagreement with the fact that at the beginning of the movie, the whole family surprises Danny Glover. What the hell was that? <laughs> Danny Glover's character in the bathtub. The whole family's like, "Here's some cake, and we're going to sing to you." And the teenage daughter's going to hang out and give you a hug. I'm like, he is naked in the tub. Get out! Get out of the bathroom! Like, what are you doing? Well, they knew they could surprise him. <laughs> Okay, so what would your reaction, ding, ding, go? It's like masturbating in the tub oh, or something. No, but um, you're still naked. What, was he having a bubble bath? No. And, we, and like, me, Maggie. I'm too old for this okay, bubble bath. Me, Maggie, my mom, and Brooklyn all, like, bust in the bathroom. And we're like, hey! Number one, you know that I can't take a bath. I'm too tall for Which that. Which is why it would be even more hilarious. <laughs> but, like, what would your reaction be? I'm going to be thankful that you're a suburban birthday, I guess. I don't know. You wouldn't be like, hey, guys, can I talk to you in a minute? Cool. Thanks. Oh, man. Because that would be my reaction. Actually, my reaction might be like, get the hell out. Um, Lethal Weapon also has uh, one of the best bad guys in 80s action comedy history, Gary Busey. The abuse. Also, legitimately crazy. Yeah, I was going to say playing himself. Was this, I don't know, was, was, I forget when he had his motorcycle accident. I guess this was right around before, that time. Four after. I don't know. But yeah, it's funny because I felt like he was a more well spoken version of himself. Yeah? Yeah. Well, he was reading from a script. Clearly. And I was like, <laughs> if only we could give Gary Busey a script to follow throughout life. But uh, one of the best, like, final fight scenes uh, in one of these types of movies in the 80s between Gary Busey and uh, Mel Gibson, where they're like, oh, let's just let them fight it out, you know? Right. Let's create a barrier of policemen, let them fight it out, he takes them down, and then Gary Busey almost kills somebody by just grabbing a gun. No? Yes? Sure. (laughs) You're like, whatever. Yeah. Lethal Web. So we're watching two, three, two through five sometime yeah, soon. To. Joe Pesci comes up. I think in... I remember watching Lethal Weapon 3 when I was a kid and thinking that was funny. Oh, yeah? Yeah. They bring in Joe Pesci. He's kind of like the comedy relief. Oh, Pesci. Pesci. All right. Well, now that we've gone way too long. Well, you know. We had to talk a lot about the Hunger Games. Go I see, told you it was going to be a long podcast. Go see the Hunger Games, guys. Go see it. And then message us to talk about it. On a real IMAX, yes. You could uh, tweet us, Justin Winters or Chris Winters with a K. Uh, but yeah, you should definitely be like, I totally agree with you or I totally disagree. And I will substantiate my argument as follows. Count per counterpoint for all of Chrissy's points. Yes. Long list. Quid pro quo. <laughs> 
We should have you post your list so I can see it. I should. Um, we're also on iTunes. Like us on Facebook. So I married a movie geek. That'd be nice. Um, that's about it. I know. Thanks for listening, guys. Sorry, sorry we went over long. Sorry we went a week without posting. So that's why you get like a big dose of us in one fell swoop. Yeah. All right. Take your medicine. Until next time. May the odds be ever in your favor. Yes. True that.